0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Scripture says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Bethlehem was the home of King David. That's where he was born, and that was where he was anointed. And Jesus, likewise, as the son of David, comes out of Bethlehem in Judea. During the time of who? King Herod. The Bible is careful about establishing chronology because the biblical record is not myth. It's history. And uh, with history, you don't know when it happens. If you've ever read, read the Greek classics or some of the other books from the East, there are no dates. There are uh, very often no places because it's, it's not historical. But here we have God stepping into time and space and there are literal seasons and dates and times that took place during those happenings. During the, king of, of, uh, during the reign of King Herod, magi. How many of you ever heard this term before? It's kin or where we get the word magic from. And uh, the word magic appropriately comes from, from this particular term. The Bible says that it's not the religious leaders. It's not the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees. It's not the high priests that comes and inquires about Jesus, it's soothsayers, it's astrologers, it's men and women that open up entrails to try to divine the future. They they were the philosophers, uh, if you would call it philosophy, of, of the ancient world. But notice, when they come or when they see the star, they're magi. But we call them wise men. And the reality is, no matter where you come from, No matter who you are when you're called, you become wise when you begin to follow that star. Amen? When you begin to seek Jesus. It says here, Magi from the east, modern-day Persia, probably Iran. Some say southern Arabia. But I I think it was Iran. And this speaks of, of Daniel's legacy in that nation. Daniel rose to prominence in both the Babylonian and Persian Empire. Anyone remember those two empires? But the short of it is... Daniel rose to such prominence, and this is really important to hear. Often it's our gift that makes room for us, and we sometimes have to earn the right to speak. And Daniel, because of his prominence and excellence in government, they kept copies of his book, the book of Daniel. And they studied it along with the various other scriptures. But I want you to understand, Daniel earned the right to be heard because of his progress in government. Are you still with me? All right, they came from the east, and they came to Jerusalem. Now the Bible says that while they were in Iran, they saw some type of astrological happening in the in the sky. That's all that they just saw an event. But because of that event, and because of their reading of Daniel, and by the way, they didn't have all the 66 books. They just had one book. And sometimes you don't need 17 different words. It's the one word you understand that you have from God. Believe from God that could take you from where you are to where you need to go. Well. They use basically their heads, their common sense. They say, okay, I I see a sign. Now, these men are not prophets. They're just people that God's revealed himself to. In, in a very limited fashion, they see a sign and say, okay, hey, let's go to Jerusalem because if anything great is going to come out of Israel, it's probably going to come out of its, its happening place, out of its capital, out of the seat of government, out of the religious headquarters. So they use their brains. But you're going to notice in a couple of moments that although God wants us to use our brains, the first step often in our, our, our walk with God is using our head, but often that's not enough. Using our head may get us in the general proximity of God's will, but we need special revelation to get it exact, to get it precise. Are are you tracking with me? You know, I may have a sense, oh, I'm born to teach. Okay, I have a a teaching gift, but that that may be in my mind. I might be able to reason that out. I might be able to take a test. But it's when God speaks to me from the burning bush. Well, son, I didn't call you to teach first grade. I've called you to teach in the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When God God speaks to you, it gets specific. And often as we pursue that, that general knowledge, God speaks to us about the more specific. Well, they came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? I want you to notice these men did not ask if a king had been born. These men were moved by faith. And they set a pattern of all Gentiles like myself that would follow. Their idea was not, well, you know, maybe if, you know, if there's a child born and, and we'll discover X, y, and Z. No, no. They said what? Where is the what? The child what? Born king of the Jews. Not Lord, if you bless me. But Lord, where is my blessing? Are, are you seeing a difference there? I mean, some of us are still at a place. Lord, if you're blessing, please but bless. No, 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 no. Lord, you are blessing. Just show me where do I go to get under the spout where your glory comes out. Do you see the faith of these men? Where is the one born king of the Jews? If they were Jewish, they probably wouldn't have made that statement. So it says they were probably Gentiles like you and I. Then it says here, we saw his star in the east and have come to what? Yeah, look at God here. We need to take notes. God spoke a language they understood. It's very important as followers of Christ that we remain relevant, that we speak in ways people can relate to, identify with, and wrap their heads around. Are you hearing me? God saw these men. He saw where they were, and he didn't despise where they were. He spoke to them in his situation. You know, about 20-something years ago, the thing that got me into the chapel was actually I was following a young lady. And the reality is, young ladies I knew, Jesus I did not. (laughs) So God, is wisdom, right into... (laughs) And I didn't come out with a lady. I came out with Jesus. Amen. Amen. But God is wise. (laughs) The Bible said, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, this is actually the key to the entire text. Why is this narrative recorded in our Bible? Because God wants to teach us how to worship. It didn't just say they came because they were curious. They were interested or they just wanted to find out about another, again, curious religion. They came to worship. So as we follow this story, there's one thing God expects us to extract from it. And that's how to what? There you go. Very good. The Bible said when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Here it is. We're going to discover in a moment that the wise men were overjoyed. But the religious people were what? Yeah. That's how you know when you become too religious. When, when you start seeing people come to seek God, it disturbs you. Well, you're not one of us. You're not part of our strife. After all, your dress is too short. You know, you, you know, all that. I could go down the list. But the religious establishment was disturbed. But we're going to find these wise men became overjoyed. Another way to tell when you become too religious, and you know how I mean the, the word religious. Now, I'm not interested in religion. I'm interested in relationships. And many times we sacrifice religion for relationship, traditions for the, the, the real. And uh, it's vital that uh, I have more than what my mom and dad said or more than what my pastor said. But I have something vital and living and personal in me and uh, with me. Are you with me? The second way you can know whether or not you're too religious, you want to, I want you to notice something. These men traveled hundreds of miles to come to Israel. They went to Jerusalem. And God honors that. And in a couple of moments, we're going to see that a, a star appeared to them. But I want you to, to know Bethlehem was only five miles outside of Jerusalem. These men came hundreds of miles, but the religious wouldn't go five miles. And what happens when we become too religious is we lose our hunger for God. We lose our hunger for relationship. We don't understand what all that's about. It's like, that's not necessary. That's too much extra. We, we become complacent, and the Bible actually calls it lukewarm. But we don't just want knowledge. We want hunger. Yes, you know, the hungry will always outpace the knowledgeable. I believe in knowledge. I believe in all you get and get understanding. But if you're not hungry, remember the rich young ruler? You know, he, the Bible says he was a good guy. And uh, he said, good master, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus looked at him, understood what his problem was. His problem was he didn't have stuff. Stuff had him. So, so Jesus was trying to set him free. He said this, he said, listen, sell everything you have. Come follow me. What was the problem? He wasn't hungry enough. You see, if you're hungry, <laughs> I'll leave a million dollars If I'm starving in the desert and you say a million dollars for a hamburger, I will write you a check because I'm hungry. And what happened with that uh, rich young ruler is Jesus exposed his lack of desire. You're with me. And sometimes God sets us up to expose. You say, well, the church wants or they want too much. No, no, no. God's exposing your lack of desire. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the peoples, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Now notice Herod had a Bible, but he didn't know the Bible. A lot like many of us in this room. It's vital that we not only have the book, but we learn what's in the book. Are you hearing me? So his, his understanding of things was left in the hands of others. I may not be, well, I, you know, I, I'm educated and all the rest of this stuff, but you may not be a scholar, but can you read And if you can read, God can guide you and keep you. Matter of fact, some of our our, our forefathers could not read. God still kept them. Are you hearing me? So we are are without excuse. It says here, when when he called them together, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. And these guys, again, have accurate knowledge, but they don't have hungry hearts. They have perfect diction. The hermeneutics, the homiletics, their, their, their great expositions were perfect. I mean, the diction was excellent. And I'm sure the answer is something like this. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. They knew how to say that in Greek. They knew how to say that in Hebrew. They knew how to say that in Chaldean. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be separate of my people, Israel. These men had the scriptures in their head, but not in their heart. We work, I work every day to move the scriptures from just in my head to in my heart. I heard a story about a man, actually he was an actor, that was asked to read the 23rd Psalm. And with great, you know, acting ability and great enunciation, pronunciation and everything, he read the 23rd Psalm. But then an old preacher came in. He—I I don't think he got through the fifth grade. He uh, didn't speak very well. But when the actor said the psalms, but by the time the preacher finished the psalm, you knew who the shepherd was. You knew that he—he he knew the shepherd personally. Are, are you hearing me? It wasn't head. It was heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. Though a thousand men, I will not be in one because he is my shepherd. I know my shepherd personally. And is this a way you say shepherd when you've been shepherded? Are you hearing me? And sometimes we have accurate knowledge, but not enough heart. Then the Bible said, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the exact time the star had appeared. Now I want you to notice two categories of people here. The wise men wanted to find out where the child was born in order to worship. But Herod inquired only because he wanted to secure his throne. He didn't want any threat to rise up that could move him out of position. And you say, well, okay, yeah, Herod's a bad man, but Herod is often like you and I. Many of us come to Christ looking for fire insurance. I come to you, Jesus, because I want to secure my eternal destiny. But our motive has nothing to do with worship, It's about keeping me out of hell. Are you hearing me? So I can die in peace but live like hell. You hearing me? You know how I meant that. Okay. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. Again, you see this Herod character. He's again like some of us. I'll let someone else do my studying. I'll let someone else pray for me. I want someone to carry me. And I'll live my life, you know, living in the fumes of someone else's spirituality. But that's not what God's called us to. God wants a personal relationship with each of us. Listen, I wouldn't hurt you for a million dollars. And I wouldn't mislead you for 10 billion. But the reality is I'm nobody's God. And as much as I love you, you can't depend on me. I will not always be there. Cannot always be reached? Sometimes I go on vacation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But God never slumbers nor sleeps. So it's vital that you have a personal relationship with the king so when you go through your midnight you don't have to call me on the phone because I'm sleeping I need to be sleeping are you hearing me as you could call up God and hear an answer on the other end well he said y'all go and make a careful search for the child and as soon as you find him report to me so that I may go and what now we know this is not the case because he kills all the children in Bethlehem And this was a terrible, terrible event. Now, I want you to understand something. I love the church, love people in the church, love people. But everybody talking about Jesus doesn't necessarily love Jesus. Everybody talking about worship, not necessarily worshiping. Are you hearing me? And here this guy is, he's trying to slip in to the folks that see something. And he's kind of doing an Ananias and Sapphira, trying to pretend when really he didn't have that same fire burning in his heart. And it was all about his personal motives. I went into that chapel for personal motives. But at some point in my walk, it had to become more than about me, more than about what God can give me. At some point, it had to to turn into worship. Worship's not about you anymore. It's about him. Are you hearing me? You know, the Bible doesn't say God looks for a lot of things. But it's interesting, in the book of John, Jesus says, you know, the Father, he's seeking one thing. True worshipers that will worship him in spirit. You see, there are lots of Herod's And and a lot of folk talking about worship. But God will walk past 17,000 of them to get to you when you become a true worshiper. Are you hearing me? Worship really occurs when it costs you something. David said, now David was the the beautiful psalmist of Israel. I mean, he was honey out of a rock. This guy wrote most of the psalms, at least many of them. He was the sweet king, the beloved king of Israel. And we learned something from him. He said this. He said, listen. I will not give God that which doesn't cost me anything. He understood something about the maker, something about the master. You know, Jesus cost God everything. Jesus was the greatest gift that could be offered. And some of us look back at God talking about, well, Lord, when it's convenient. Am I preaching too good on this? Okay. Okay. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the king the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, make a careful search verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And I want you to notice what happens. In the east, they had a single astrological event. I got born again. I had a single event. And I began to walk, walk in that new birth. But there was something subsequent to being born again. Something that's not just a single event, but an everyday experience. The Bible says in the book of John, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible said Jesus breathed on the disciples. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And something very, very interesting happened after that. He said, we find in Acts, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. When he breathed on them. by the way, God's never done, Jesus never did anything that didn't accomplish something when he did it. Isn't that a picture of what happened with Adam? God breathed the breath of life in him and he became a living soul. And fallen man in this dead situation, Jesus breathed on him. And we became alive to God again. Our spirits were reborn. But he said, listen, guys, don't stop there. Wait in Jerusalem because the father still has a gift. The new birth is an event, but I have now an experience. Are you with me? These men, they were in the east, and they saw an astrological event, and it was phenomenal, it was interesting, and they followed it. But then, because of their faithfulness to travel out of their comfort into this foreign land, watch what God does for them. They went on their way. And the star they had seen, meaning they saw it once in the east, seen past tense, meaning they weren't seeing it at that point. All of a sudden, that same thing went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. Seek and you were what? Yeah. To put wisdom in a nutshell, all it is is following God until he stops moving. It's, Lord, I'm going to stay with it till you're done. These wise men had a five-mile experience of the supernatural power of God. And they didn't go any further than it, but they didn't back up from it either. They just followed. They had this experience for five miles. How many of you would like a five-mile experience? Yeah. The Bible says here, it went ahead of them until it what? Stopped. So when did they stop? When God stopped. When do we stop? When he stops. When do we go? When he goes. Until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were what? You see the contrast? The religious folks are all distressed, trying to figure everything out and, and map everything out in their brain. Listen, I think we're going to have a planning session. And the Bible says, you know, a, a man's mind plans his way. But the Bible also says, uh, yeah, a man's mind plans his way, but it's the Lord that directs his steps. And the reality is, you know, fail to plan, plan to fail. We make a plan, but my plans are always subject to the Holy Spirit. So, honey, I plan to do X, Y, and Z, but Lord, if you direct me differently, man's mind must plan his way. God gave us a brain. We must use it. But the issue is when God directs otherwise, we have to be willing to move with him. Amen. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and did what? What's this whole thing about? Worship. So now they're doing the thing they came for. See, some folk aren't happy when they come to church because they don't get what they came for. You missed that. (laughs) I came for Jesus this morning, so I'm going to leave here satisfied because I got what I came for. But if you came here for something other than Jesus, it might be we didn't sing well enough. It might be that you weren't greeted well enough. But if we come with the right motivations, he will always meet you. Amen? Amen. This is how you grow, amen? The Bible said the word of God is like a mirror. You know, every morning I have to look in that mirror. Why do I look in it? Well, I used to adjust my hair. You go in there to fix what's what's not right. You adjust your hair. There's something on your eyes. You you clean it out. That's the purpose of looking into a mirror. So we look in the word not to say mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the most wonderful of them? No, no, no. You look at that mirror in humility and say, where do I need to make adjustments, Lord? Where do I need to clean up? What do I need to scrub a little bit? You hear what I'm saying? What do I need to work on here? Will you help me, beautify me, so you'll be pleased with me? They said, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They came to the house, and the Bible says they bowed down and did what? These are grown men. They bowed down and worshiped the two-year-old. They looked foolish. And that's, that's the reality of worship. These men were willing to put aside all their personal distinctions, all the fact that they were the Magi from Persia. And by the way, Persia was number two only to Rome in terms of its power and influence in the whole Roman Empire. These men were of substance from that major city. But here you do you, you find them bowing down to a baby. Likewise, I don't care your degree. I don't care how much money you have, don't have. Don't care what you're going through. The issue is, are you willing to bow before the king? The Magi, the wise men, not the guys that memorize the Old Testament, not the men from the Harvard of Yale of those days. Nothing wrong with those schools. We have members from those schools. Nothing wrong with it, but don't trust in that. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.